A reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 1 to 26, and then 39 to 42. I know it says 1 to 42 up there, it's a late change. Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptising more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptised, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you've nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Moving to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Have you ever been thirsty? I'm sure we can all say yes to that, but I don't mean the kind of thirst where water sounds nice after... um, I don't know, doing a long walk or after some work in the garden on a hot summer's day. I mean, really, really thirsty. Where you're just absolutely desperate for a drink. And all you can think about is water. 
Well, the people in Israel at this time will have been desperate for water. The sun will have been beating down, and at the end of the long, hard day, there will have been no water for them to drink, unless they went and got it for a well, from a well. People were thirsty, really, really thirsty. Physical thirst can be excruciating and dangerous. Dehydration can make you seriously ill very quickly. And if you've ever been truly thirsty, then this story will be much easier for you to understand. Thirst is one of the most powerful symbols in the Bible. If you're thirsty, you long for water. If you're really thirsty, you'll do anything to get water. In the same way, if we're spiritually thirsty, if we have a desire to know more and more about God, then we'll do anything to get that, anything to get to know God more. The psalmist expressed it in this way. In Psalm 42, 1 to 2, he said, As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And in Psalm 143, he said, I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. You see, we encounter spiritual thirst, especially when life has been tough for us. We've all, we've all been through times that have been difficult and all been through times where, we've had to have, where our faith has had to sustain us. But have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation where life has knocked the wind out of your sails and the day-to-day just doesn't cut it anymore? Have you ever been really spiritually thirsty? Well, the story of a Samaritan woman at a well is a wonderful story of an encounter between a physically thirsty Jesus and a spiritually thirsty Samaritan woman. We don't know her name or how old she is. We don't actually know that much about her, just that she met Jesus, and that changed her life. There are loads of things that we can learn from this story 2,000 years ago, (coughs) between then and now. First of all, the Samaritan woman was an outcast. We know that because she went to the well at midday. She went in the height of the heat, Everyone else would have gone when it was cooler, but she didn't want to bump into anybody. She wasn't accepted in society, and people wouldn't have talked to her if she was there. Most women came in early morning to get their water, and it was a bit of a social thing. They'd meet and they'd chat, and they'd get the water for the day. But she came when she knew she was going to be alone. And she was an outcast because of how she lived her life. Because of the decisions that she'd made, she was living with a man who wasn't her husband and everybody knew it, and that was absolutely not on. This, of course, affected the way people treat her. She'll have learned to avoid rejection by avoiding bumping into anyone. And by coming to the well, when it would have been unbearable, she could be sure she wouldn't have to have any kind of confrontation. Not only was she an outcast, but she was a Samaritan, And I know I'm stating the obvious, but she was a woman as well. And there's just one or two problems with that. She was a Samaritan and Jesus was a Jew. And I think it'd be fair to say that Samaritans and Jews just didn't mix. Normally Jews avoided all contact with their Samaritan neighbours at all costs. They travelled extra long routes to avoid bumping into a Samaritan. But Jesus was different, as we know. He travelled, he chose to travel through Samaria. He chose to spend time with this woman regardless of her heritage, regardless of her background, regardless of what anyone else thought. 
entirely against the custom of the day because her background was so very different and so very looked down upon. Add to that fact she was a woman, no self-respecting Jewish man would ever be seen caught dead talking to a woman in public, not even his own wife. For a rabbi, this would have been even more scandalous. Because women were seen as inferior, unimportant, looked down upon, incapable of understanding the religious laws, what on earth was Jesus playing at talking to a woman? To look at this woman's life through the eyes of that time, she'd have pretty much seemed like a bit of a lost cause. She'd no husband, which meant she had no security. She wouldn't have been working, so without a husband to look after her, then how would she survive? Who was going to look after her? She will have been a loner. She'll have been, well, she'll have had to be, because no one will have talked to her. She was worthless, a waste of space. She was unclean. She was a sinner. The more I go on, the more familiar it might sound. Not literally, but I wonder, do we see some people like we, like others saw that woman? Or more still, do we see that in ourselves? Sometimes we feel unworthy. Sometimes we feel as if we're not good enough. Sometimes we feel as if we're a bit of a lost cause. Sometimes, I dare to say, people look down on other people because of their past, because of their bad reputations. <coughs> people judge other people all the time. And as we approach the end of this year, as we look back on the past 12 months, do we see things in ourselves that we've regretted? Do we consider ourselves not good enough? You see, the thing is, it was the rules and the rituals of the Jewish leaders of the time which had made the woman come to the well at midday in the midst of the heat. It was their attitude to her that meant she was to be ashamed, shunned and she was ashamed. How often do we as Christians invent rules and regulations that actually shouldn't be there, that mean people don't feel entirely welcome among us? The woman avoids meeting anyone to avoid rejection. Do people avoid meeting us so that they avoid the rejection or the judgment or the criticism that we might say? Or... Do we truly show to everybody that people, well, do we show to people that God loves them no matter who they are or what they do? Well, by talking to the Samaritan woman, Jesus broke through loads of the major barriers of the day. You see, these barriers meant absolutely nothing to Jesus. He treated this woman with the same respect as he treated his mother. It, was, it wasn't that Jesus didn't know what she was like, of course he did, but he refused to condemn her. He accepted her just as she was. And one of the things that people don't always get is that you don't have to be perfect to become a Christian. You don't have to be perfect to live a Christian life, otherwise I'm sure we'd all fail. But actually, God loves us regardless of the mistakes we've made and the ones we continue to make. Sometimes, though, people think that God couldn't possibly be interested in them because of who they are, because of their background, because they make bad choices from time to time. Well, it's just not true. First of all, um, just this week it was Christmas, in case you missed it, which was the ultimate expression of God's love to us in the form of his only son coming to earth to be among us. And here we are years later with that baby Jesus, grown, who is meeting a woman at a well. And he's breaking down barriers as he does so. Jesus challenged every prejudice that existed in those days. 
And you know what? Jesus is still the same. Jesus knows us and loves us, and despite what he think, what we think even, he wants to get to know us more. Jesus offers his love to everyone, no matter who they are. And his love is so vast that it involves and includes everyone you've ever met, everyone that you've ever heard of, and of course the ones you haven't. So maybe we need to challenge the prejudices, I can't even say that word, of today too. We must share the good news of Jesus with everyone, no matter who they are, where they're from, what the background is like, despite the mistakes they make from time to time. We need to break down barriers that are present in today's society. You see, society puts barriers up, but Jesus meets us where we are, and Jesus accepts us as we are. And Jesus offers us living water. Did you know that scientists and nutritionalists uh, recommend that we're meant to eat, uh, drink even, eight glasses of water a day? Have you ever looked at the range of waters that are available in your average supermarket? Have you ever seen just how many types there are? There's soda water, tonic water, mineral water of all different flavours, imported from all sorts of different places. You can get an unimaginable amount of different waters. And we don't have to stick to water to quench our thirst either, do we? And somewhere in the world right now, someone's probably thinking up a new way to quench our thirst, because people always need to drink. 2,000 years ago, the woman came to an ancient well to, with exactly the same need, with a thirst. She needed a drink. She was a human being with the same physical needs that we have. And she'd probably come to this well every single day to get water. She satisfied her thirst daily from this well. It was totally routine. But on that day, she met a stranger. She met Jesus. She didn't recognise him, and the things she, he said will have puzzled her. She was puzzled by the fact that he was speaking to her at all, as a married woman, woman, as I said. And then he said, give me a drink. Jesus asked for a drink from the well. An ordinary human need, a drink from a well. We so often forget that Jesus was human and had human needs. And it was on noon that day, and Jesus was thirsty. And here, Jesus asked the Samaritan woman for a drink, but soon he began to speak of his own living water. A water that would mean people would never thirst again. <coughs> so the woman asked, where do you get this living water? Jesus responded that whoever drinks this water will never thirst again. And she said, give me this water. First go to your husband, he commanded. And there's a problem. She has no husband. Or actually, she had five husbands and the man she's with now isn't her husband. And there's where it all gets a little bit confusing. We don't really know the full extent of her background. But it seems as though she had various relationships <coughs> that hadn't satisfied her. That ended up with someone that wasn't her husband. She'd chosen to move from relationship to relationship to find one that would last and would satisfy. And finally she meets with Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can truly satisfy all our human needs. See, humans, as humans, we've always had choices. Choices about how to satisfy our deepest needs. Our needs for love, security and truth. We make countless numbers of choices every day, trying to satisfy those deep needs for refreshment. But our choices never satisfy. 
And as I said, she, he said, go to your husband. She said, I have no husband. And essentially, she was saying she'd never chosen to stay with one man. And when Jesus de- uh, declares that the man she's with isn't her husband, the Samaritan woman realises that all of a sudden she is face to face with a prophet. She is face to face, not only with Jesus, but with the deepest truth about her life that no one has dared to speak to her about. <clears throat> I perceive you are a prophet, she said. You see, prophets speak truth. They don't always say what we want to hear. But Jesus shows her that he really knows her. He knows all about her situation. He cares about her regardless. And he offers her living water that comes in an amazing package. It's packaged in a truth that reveals who we really are. Jesus knew all about her, more than anyone else could possibly know. Jesus knew the choices she'd made and the mistakes she'd made. And he still talked to her. He still wanted to know her. And Jesus knows all about us too. He knows about the choices we've made. He knows about the mistakes we've made. And he still offers us his living water. He still offers us forgiveness and we can choose whether or not to accept it. We can choose whether or not to accept forgiveness for the wrong stuff that we've done. Forgiveness that only Jesus can offer. Or we can choose to ignore it. And she didn't choose to ignore it. She chose to accept it. And one of the best things I like about this story is the fact that she didn't keep it to herself. Despite what she knew people thought about her, she didn't care. She ran into town to tell others. She wanted other people to find what she found. She wanted other people to meet with Jesus like she had, even though that was a risky thing for her to do. And as we heard earlier in the end verses, uh, many of the Samaritans from that time believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know the man really is the saviour of the world. Loads of people from her time believed because of what she said because of her testimony, because she was changed by meeting Jesus. She knew what she'd discovered. She knew that who she'd discovered. And she knew that it was far too important to keep to herself. She went and told everyone that she bumped into, everyone that she knew. And she didn't have to do that, did she? She could have stayed where she was. It would have been much easier because people didn't like her. She could have gone home and forgotten all about it, but she didn't. Because she wanted other people to have this life-giving water that Jesus offered. She knew the difference Jesus had made to her was so wonderful, she had to let others experience it too. So the challenge is, do people believe in Jesus because of our testimony? As we look back on the past year and the choices we've made that perhaps we regret, or have we used every opportunity to tell others about Jesus? Do we show people through our words and our actions something of him? Are we excited by what Jesus has done and continues to do for us day by day? I'm pretty sure that there's times when we all find it daunting telling other people about Jesus. But if you look at the way he was with people, he just accepted them. He accepted them as they are for 
regardless of their past, and they accepted him. There are loads of ways we can share the good news with, of Jesus with others, and it doesn't have to be scary. We can start by acting like Jesus and accepting people for who they are. Jesus accepts us as we are, and we should show the way we live our lives that we're different. But only because of Jesus and the difference he makes to us. We should let people know that we have a hope in him for now and for the future. And we can show people the difference that Jesus makes by daring to be different, by daring to stand up for what is right, even if it's not popular. And we can show something of Jesus by making sure that our lives, the way we live, the things we do and say, all speak of the love of Jesus. I, there's a quote that I absolutely love. It's quite a long one by a guy called Henry Newen. Or, I'm sure you'll correct me on pronunciation there then. No? Okay. <laughs> Some theologian over there. And he said, More and more, the desire grows in me to simply walk around, greet people, enter their homes, sit on their doorsteps, play ball, throw water, and be known as someone who wants to live with them. It's a privilege to have the time to practice this ministry of presence, still not as simple as it seems. My own desire to be useful, to do something significant, or be part of something impressive is so strong that my time is soon taken up by meetings, conferences, study groups, workshops that all prevent me from walking the streets. It's difficult not to have plans, not to organise people around an urgent cause, and to not feel that you're directly working towards social progress. But I wonder more and more if the first thing shouldn't be to know people by name, to eat and drink with them, to listen to their stories and tell your own. To let them know with words, handshakes and hugs that you do not simply like them, but truly love them. So I just wonder, how much difference would we truly make to people around us if we actually lived that way? I wonder how many people would come to know God's love for them if we showed them that through the way we treated them. So finally, I want us to remember that in everything Jesus said and did, it was clear that all people are important to him. Jesus didn't care what people's backgrounds were or what they'd done wrong. He wants us to share their love with everyone and he wants us to know that despite what we've done, despite any mistakes we've made, he will us too. And as we look back on this past year and as we think about the next, let's do so assured that God loves us, cares for us and forgives us. And let's be ready and unafraid of telling others about Jesus and his love for them in our words and our actions. Amen.